And so during Missions Month, if you've been around for the month of May, and what we've been talking about, what we've been doing, is we've been focusing on um, the Live Dead movement. How many of you have been, got a Live Dead journal? A bunch of you. Look at hands all over the place. Live Dead Journal. We did try to do one per family. And uh, it's been, we've been focusing on this Live Dead movement, which has been reminding ourselves of the truth that as Jesus' disciples, we give our lives to God so that he can accomplish great things through us. But the way we do that is we die to self in order to live to God. And I know that is a countercultural, counterintuitive way of living. But Jesus says it's the best way. It's not only the most productive way. He, he describes it like this. Like a kernel of corn you'd plant in the ground by itself and it dies. When it grows up, it produces more fruit. He says that more, more product, that that's the same way with us. If we surrender our, our lives to God, we in essence live dead, then he not only produces more through us spiritually than we could ever imagine, but we get to experience this thing that the world is clamoring for and looking for in every possible way. We get to experience real life. Matter of fact, I hope what you're discovering in life, and it's God's plan, I think, that we do this, that as we go down sometimes chasing after the wrong stuff, we come to an end and we go, that wasn't very fulfilling. I want to begin to now chase after the right stuff. And so live dead helps us to do that. It helps us to prioritize and say, I want to be dead to the world, but alive to Christ. And what we've been finding through the Live Dead Journal is that the Live Dead Journal has been opening our eyes to the reality of our world around us today. It's been, it's been showing us real life 2014 examples of what the world really looks like today. You see, we, whether you know it or not, we kind of live in a bubble in America. Especially spiritually. We live in a country where the gospel is preached in churches and in towns everywhere, anywhere you go. I remember when I was um, itinerating as a missionary, and the one thing that struck me that I hadn't noticed because I spent a year and a half just traveling primarily in Wisconsin, that every city I drove into in Wisconsin, there were multiple churches. I mean, the first thing you'd notice you came into town was a church. And there's signs when you're driving, a ch- welcome to whatever town. And, it's, and there's usually, and these six churches have little, little you know, representations out there saying, this is who's in our town. That we live in a country where the gospel is preached everywhere in churches. And that it's on TV and radio, it's broadcast 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's our reality. Matter of fact, I believe that's the way it's supposed to be. That's not anything bad about that. That's a celebration. Matter of fact, I hope that in the next 10 years, there's more churches. More churches in our community, more churches in our state, more churches in our nation, more people celebrating Jesus on Sunday mornings. I'd love to see us put sports out of business on Sundays. I'd love to see them have to change the Packer game instead of changing church times because so many people are in love with Jesus. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But we live in a culture where it's everywhere. Now, a lot of people don't want to follow after it, but that's a choice. But at least it's everywhere in our culture. Yet, the reality is, in much of the world, there is such oppression... And that's what I want to think about today. Such oppression that many people have never had a presentation of the gospel. The experts of missions estimate that 40% of the people alive on planet Earth today have not heard even one time a real presentation of the gospel. 
Just that simple presentation that Jesus is the Son of God who came into our world and gave His life as a substitute for theirs and that if they would have faith in Jesus that He'll forgive them of their sins and save them from eternal destruction. They've never heard that message one time. They've never heard one time that they can be saved from their sins and when I was thinking about this week, an a, a idea came to my mind that I guess I hadn't really connected the dots with before that's very relevant in our culture today, and to say this about that. That's simply unjust. We live in a world that's all about justice today. It is unjust to think that, that 40% of our world's population has never even one time had an adequate presentation of the gospel. It's just not Right. And that's what this missions month this year has been about. I've been trying, endeavoring over the last couple of weeks to open our eyes to the truth. Now, sometimes we don't like our eyes open to the truth. I know I don't like that a lot. I would rather live in a, in a fairy tale, in a fantasy at times, saying that, that everything's good and everything's great and everything's fine. But sometimes I come to reality and say, I need to open up my eyes to the truth. And the truth is that there's a lot of people who have never even had one time opportunity to hear about Jesus. It's, um, this, this live dead movement has been about us figuring out, opening our eyes to the truth that, that we can do something about it because the world it's, is lost. It's learning about people, as we've been going through the live dead journal, like the Afar people. Now I know not all of you have run to live, live, read the live dead journal. And so I wanted to share with you one of the stories we read. It was from day four. Of, of the Live Dead Journal from a people called the Afar from um, northern Djibouti. And, um, it's a, and the reason I chose this group was because that one people group represents about 1.4 million people. And the reason I wanted to pick that number out is because I think we can identify what 1.4 million. You say, why? Well, we live in the Milwaukee metro area. Milwaukee has about 600,000 in the city limits. And the Milwaukee Metro is about 1.4, 1.5 million people. So think of all the people in the Milwaukee Metro area, from us south all the way to the south side of Milwaukee, and then west, you know, in the Metroplex. That whole area, that's about a million and a half people. The Afar people are 1.5 million unreached Muslims. And this is the truth of the Afar people. And I want to think about the, uh, the, fact, the oppression of these people on why they do not hear the gospel. The Afar people have a horrific way of controlling their, their people. If an Afar person does not conform to their Muslim cultural ways, they are taken, this is happening today, this isn't 100 years ago, they are taken in a boat out into the sea and they tie a large rock around them and they drop them to the, bottom of the, to the bottom of the ocean, and they have a rope tied on them. And after they've swallowed enough water to go unconscious, they drag them back to the surface, they revive them if they can, and then they question them and they say, will you conform to our ways, or in, in the other side, will you reject 
the ways that you are thinking that are not in line with us. And if they agree, then they take them back to shore. If they don't agree, they drop them back to the bottom again. And they, in essence, drown them again. And when they're unconscious, they drag them back up to the top, to the surface. They bring them back in the boat. They revive them again. And they ask them, will you conform to the ways of our people? If they survive that drowning process three times, if the third time, which a lot of them don't, but if the third time they bring them up and they do revive them again and they, they don't conform, that what they do is then they consider them outcasts and they're forever shunned by the rest of the Afar tribe. This is what happens to those who convert to Christianity among their people. That in 2014, this is happening to people who say, but I want to follow Jesus. Friends, in their, in their place, and they're just representative of all kinds of places like that, there's no freedom, only fear. Understand something, church. That type of fear-based control is Satan's tactic for keeping people from telling others about Jesus. And much of the world lives under that type of of fear and control. I'm sure you've all heard in the last couple of days the story of the woman on the news, and it's, it's been all over the news, and, 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 and uh, uh, human rights groups are trying to fight for this, but this is going on today, again, not a hundred years ago, of this um, woman in the Sudan, a Christian mother who is married to a Christian man, was raised Orthodox Christian. She's a medical doctor living in the Sudan, but she was born as a Sudanese. And because the government had some changes that now they're completely Muslim, and I'm not here to pick on Muslims, I'm just saying that happened to be the examples I'm using, that because she will not convert to Islam, and she says she's a Christian, that they have sentenced her to death. But she's pregnant with her second child, and so what they're waiting to happen, this is today. She's sitting in a prison right now as we're standing here. And they're waiting for her to give birth to her second child. And then they're going to take her out and they're going to give her 100 lashes. And then they're going to behead her. That's, going, that's happening today. And the question is, why? It's because she is a Christian who will not denounce her faith in Jesus. That's the only reason why. There's no other reason why they're doing it. No other charges against her. Church, understand something today. Satan operates by keeping people in fear and oppression. That's his mode of operation. But I want you to hear something today. Jesus gave his church a promise. And he said this. He said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus gave a promise. Say something with me. Say, shall not. Jesus said it. He said that Satan's kingdom shall not prevail. It shall not withstand the advance of the kingdom of God's. God's kingdom will advance and God's kingdom will triumph. One day Jesus told a story, a parable about this in the Gospel of Matthew. Grab your Bible. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, verse 33 this morning. He told the story about the advancement of the kingdom of God. We're just going to read one verse. I think this is the shortest parable that Jesus ever taught. 
He's in a series of, of parables teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And he says this, 13, chapter Matthew 13, verse 33. He says that he spoke another parable to them. This is what he said. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Leaven is another one. What's another word for leaven? Yeast. So the kingdom of heaven is like leaven, like yeast, which a woman took and hid in three pecks of flour until it was all leavened. Jesus is teaching something about the kingdom of God. Jesus says God's kingdom is like yeast. You know how yeast works? I don't know much about the, the uh, scientific way it works, but I've made bread in my life, and I know what you do is that you make a lump of dough, and you mix the yeast in the lump, lump of dough, and then generally you cover it and put it by someplace warm, and what happens? It begins to rise. It causes the dough to get bigger. The effects of the yeast spread through the entire lump. When you mix yeast into that lump of dough, one part doesn't get bigger and the other part stays smaller. The yeast goes through, its effects go through the entire lump. Once the yeast is introduced to the dough, its natural properties cause it to spread. It affects the entire lump. Now why would Jesus talk about the kingdom of God and talk about making bread? Because Jesus is making a point about how the kingdom of God advances. He says it starts small and it affects the area around it. And then that area affects the area around it. And that area affects the area around it until everywhere is affected. He's trying to say, listen, it's natural for the kingdom of God to spread once the message of the kingdom, the truth of the kingdom, and Jesus is in an area. That once the gospel's there, it's natural for it to spread. Now, not only does God know this, but Satan knows this also. And that's why other religious groups often kill or banish anyone who does not conform. They know they must keep even the slightest amount of yeast out of their lump or else it will spread throughout their lump. And that's why so many places Christians can't even share their faith. They are afraid of Christian yeast getting a foothold. But understand something. God loves those people. God loves those people who are trapped in fear and oppression, who are trying to keep the yeast out. He loves all people and he wants everyone to hear his good news. So listen to me, friends. In spite of Satan's tactics of fear and oppression, in spite of people trying to keep the message, the yeast, out of the lump, in spite of all that, God is still calling people to go to these places and introduce the yeast into the lump. God is still calling people to go to the Sudan. We have friends there who are missionaries with, with five little children who are still going there, places where they're going to behead you for being a Christian. God is still calling people to go to these places for one reason, to introduce the yeast into the lump, knowing that if they can get the yeast in the lump, the natural property of the yeast of the kingdom is to spread throughout the yeast. So they're saying, God, you'll call me, I will go. God is calling men and women from our land and other lands where the gospel is everywhere. To be the yeast that will affect the entire lump. 
that will be the yeast, the first level um, gospel presentation that will go in and start the process of transformation so that the entire God culture can someday know the truth that Jesus loves them and Jesus saves. God is calling them and they realize it's not a call to ease and comfort. We got all these graduates today and people are going to say, listen, just go on this career path because you'll make lots of money and life will be easy and life will be comfortable and you'll get the nice house and you'll get the nice car and you'll have all that stuff. And I'll tell you this, you can have all that stuff and still be empty in the end. You can be. But God is calling people and they're realizing when he calls them that it's not a call to go to these places of ease and comfort. It's a call to really live dead knowing they are putting their comfort on the line. They are putting their security on the line. And at times they are putting their lives on the line in order to get the gospel into the lump so that it can spread from person to person. No matter what the devil's trying to do to keep them out, God's raising up people who are saying, we are willing to go in. And they realize it's going to cost them greatly. They will be the kernels of corn that are willing to fall to the ground and die in order to see a great harvest of souls. God is calling them, and they are willing to go. And I believe something, church. I believe He is calling us to partner with them. He is calling us to send them so they can penetrate the darkness with the light of Christ. So Jesus can have His reward People saved from sin's control. That, that, they're saying, Jesus, you're worth it. We'll go there for you. We'll live dead for you. And this is what I found, especially when I was as a full-time missionary, but now every day I get phone calls from missionaries, and this is the truth of it. Many are willing to go. I'm amazed at how many missionaries call me. I almost get hard-hearted to it because it's so often calling every day saying, I'm willing to go and I need to get there. Many are willing to go. They're willing to go and they're willing to live dead. But friends, there's something I want us to get here today. We are called to live dead also. We are called to live our lives sacrificially in service to Jesus. Just like they are. Not do the same things, but we are called to live dead also. And one of the ways we can live dead is to use the resources that God has entrusted to us to partner with those who are willing to go to where the gospel is not. They're willing to be the yeast. They are willing to go, and I'm so excited because we get to send them. Now, I realize it takes some level of sacrifice in order to send missionaries to places where the gospel is not. It takes resources. It takes prayer. It takes money. It takes inconvenience sometimes. It takes some, some sacrifice to get them there. Maybe it takes for us giving up something so you can give instead of buying this or participating in, in that. But that is what living dead is all about. I just think about the opportunity we have. We get the opportunity to partner with people who are willing to be the yeast that penetrates the darkness, that penetrates the lump, so the kingdom of God can spread. We get to be part of that. And I'll tell you this, nothing is more eternally exciting and more valuable than that, than getting the yeast into the lump. And right now, I believe 
God is giving us a great opportunity to partner at a higher level than we have been with a couple that is living dead in a country that is almost devoid of Christians. Some parts are devoid. Um, When Omar was here, he talked about something called the zero zone. Remember that? If you didn't hear Omar, oh, as a matter of fact, it's not on the, we can't broadcast it because of sensitive material, but um, just did a phenomenal job, and Omar Byler was here. And he talked about the zero zone, and that he was taking a group of people through, or another missionary taking a group of people through, and they said, where, when can we meet with the missionaries? He says, there are no missionaries. When can we go to a church? There are no churches. When can we meet with any of the national Christians? There are no national Christians in this whole part of the country, and in that area called the zero zone. He said, there's zero, there's nothing. There's no Christians, there's no missionaries, there's no churches. The zero zone. Well, we have a a family that's associated with this church that is changing fields. A key couple, I believe a key couple, that will be, and what they'll be doing is developing church planting teams to go to all the unreached people groups of the area. And the couple I'm talking about are Daryl and Sarah Jump. And they live, when they're here in the States, they live with, at Pete and Doris's house. They're a phenomenal couple. Matter of fact, they're the couple that in two years, Brett will be going as a missionary associate with. Once he's done with two years of training, he'll be going with Daryl and Sarah there to the Live Dead program. Um, and I believe God wants us as a church to increase our partnership with them. That I believe he wants us to, to be something called an advocacy partner with the jumps where we contribute at a higher level of support to them, a higher level of prayer, a higher level of finances, and a higher level of people, meaning we actually send people who will go and work with them, and that then they are more able to stay connected to our church through visits and updates, and and we're going to build a a connection. What we're trying to do is make a transformation to our missions program of our church. We want to keep supporting all missionaries everywhere as best we can. But we're trying to create what we've been calling around here anchor missionaries. Remember? Advocacy is what they call it. Anchor missionaries where we contribute greater amounts of money to this thing, but then they really become part of our church family. And that they come back annually. When they're back, they live in someone's home and we have a relationship with them. And they're in church with us more often when they're back in the States. And we become a partner with them and they'll Skype with us from overseas and, and we'll stay connected. And they will become our family that we are sending as church planters into a place where the gospel is not. And I believe God wants this church to become an advocacy church. Advocacy Commitment Church with Daryl and Sarah Jump, which you know what it requires of us? It requires of us giving more than we've ever given to our World Missions Program. But I believe it's what God wants for us at this time because we get the opportunity to send the gospel, the yeast, into a place, into the zero zone, into the place where the gospel is not. And with Daryl and Sarah, it's not just saying, oh, they're going to go plant a church. They've been asked, and I believe they're the right couple to do it, to develop church planting teams. They'll be the main trainers of the church planting teams. And their goal is to go from 500 to 1,000 people in that part of the world. And young people all over are saying, we're willing to go. We'll go to the zero zone. We'll go where the gospel is not. We'll, we'll live dead. They're kind of saying, I've watched mom and dad live for the world, and it stinks. And if that's what it's all about, well, then let them have it, but I want to do something eternal. And we had all kinds of young people saying we're willing to go. 
and these are going to be the primary trainers, training team-based church planting to unreached people groups and sending them all around the Arab world. And so Daryl and Sarah, I believe God has partnered with us, us with them already, and I want to increase our level of commitment to them. Which means, for us, we have to increase a minimum of $400 a month more in our faith promises, because we want to take a starting level from $100 a month to $500 a month, in addition to keeping all the rest of our missionaries, um, which is a lot. But we need, to, we need to increase that, I believe. And so this morning... I've invited via Skype um, Daryl and Sarah to be with us. And so they ought to be popping up on our screens here. Daryl and Sarah, are they here? We can hear you. Can you hear us? I can hear you. Uh, Yeah, we can hear you. All right. Hey, where are you guys at today? Uh, We're currently in California. In California right now. All right. Hey, I've been bragging on you for the last couple minutes. And uh, thanks. (laughs) <laughs> and so, talking about uh, what you guys are doing, and I know a lot of our folks know you already, um, but hey, let me ask you a couple of questions this morning, and so I know you probably got a church service to get to pretty soon, so we're going to get you a few questions so you can get off and, and going, but um, when are you going to be heading back? Uh, we are headed back this summer. We're here in California for just a few weeks, and then we go to Missouri for a couple weeks of training, and then we take off. Okay. And now, what I want you to talk to us about today, tell us about what you're going to be doing. Kind of talk to us briefly about the Live Dead program, team-based church planting. Explain to us what you've been asked to do. Yeah. We have the exciting opportunity to be training team leaders and team members for church planting teams that will spread all the way across what we're calling Live Dead Silk Road. Okay. And... Now, I think we know these answers already, but that part of the world, many of those people have never one time even heard about Jesus. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's absolutely accurate. I think we've, uh, especially in our more recent history, uh, we have decided that it's just too tough and uh, too inconvenient of a place for us to go with the gospel because uh, most of those countries, it's in all of those countries, it's illegal to be a missionary. And uh, most of those countries, it's very, very hard to stay in and to thrive in. And so uh, we've avoided it. And so the gospel hasn't gone there. And so most of those people have never once had a chance to hear about Jesus. So, so I understand what you're saying. You're saying you think what's happened is the church world has thought over the last number of years that's just too difficult to go there. Now, is God calling people to go there now? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's kind of exciting uh, because just as we've been uh, just starting to whisper about and talk about uh, the dream that God has given us, there's just a flood of people responding from all over the global church world, not just America, but we we uh, field requests from Chile, from Brazil, from uh, we've worked with people from El Salvador, and so God is raising up the global church to respond to this massive need and this, this swath of darkness across the center of our world. Now that, that has, maybe you can speak to this, that has to say to you, this is God's plan, this is the Holy Spirit, because people from around the world don't say, I'm willing to go to a place where I'm putting my life on the line. To, to serve the Lord. You must just see yeah. that as the, as the Spirit of the Lord speaking to people's hearts. Yeah, we really believe God wants to do something uh, in these ten countries. That's awesome. Hey, explain to us 
about this advocacy partnership. I've told the church, I said, we need to raise, we want to we take you on. We, I, I don't know if you have any advocacy churches in, in Wisconsin. I want to be your first advocacy church, our church. And, um, and tell us, talk to us about what that advocacy partnership looks like. Yeah, advocacy is basically this idea of uh, allowing us to have closer relationships just with a few key churches in our uh, ministry life. And so uh, we want to have a few churches where we feel um, even more at home than we already do, where we're able to connect with the body and to uh, connect more often from the field even. Uh, and so we can communicate more what's going on, uh, communicate prayer requests, and, and have a place where... Uh, the church, on the other hand, is is really advocating for our part of the world and for what we're doing. Um, so from the church's side, where a church would, uh, part of that can be financial, part of that can be uh, prayer, more intentional for our part of the world, as we're communicating what's going on and the church is communicating back, uh, we're praying for you and we're with you in these things. Um, part of that involves... Uh, sending teams and being a part of what we're doing. And, and so we're looking for a few churches where we can develop a, a, a real close and real tight relationship that allows us to um, be a part of that church's life and, and for that church to be a part of our mission and keep us keep us on task. Mm-hmm. Well, we really, think, go ahead. Uh, one of the things that we really battle with is, is definitely uh, an aspect of spiritual warfare that is often very personal and uh, very personal to our ministry. And so knowing that you have people back home that are praying very specifically uh, for things in in, in the spiritual in the spiritual world and seeing breakthroughs alongside of us is, I think, uh, just a phenomenal relationship to have as well, uh, where where we know you are walking in these battles with us on those front lines. I think God puts a foundation of broad prayer, but then there are those moments where you know, you know that people have been praying for us daily so that they're open to hearing from God when God says, stop right now and pray for the zero zone or pray for this specific couple that I already know are walking into a, a deeper place of uh, trying to take more ground this week. And, and the Holy Spirit can stop you and say, right now, they need to pray. You, we need to pray for them. And I think that happens when that closer relationship is there. Right. And, and that's why we want to be an advocacy church, because we want yeah. to make missions more real to our congregation, for our church to recognize that um, you guys have real needs every single day, and that we can be part of that. Not only can we send you money, and we want to send you a boatload of money. That's my plan. Because we know ministry costs money. Reaching lost souls, it doesn't go to you. Reaching lost souls to t- build teams, to send people across the globe. We want to be part of that. We want to be part of what God's doing. He's speaking to people in Chile. He's speaking to people in Port Washington. But we want to be part yeah. of knowing that, that we're frontline prayer people for you so that we have that connection. Because the way our missions is right now, we have all these missionaries we support, but we don't know much about them. We want to be you to be an anchor missionary for us so that we can partner with you and you can let us know and you can feel free to say, listen, Portview Church, we have a need. And that we as a church will say, you're our family. We want to help you. And so we are looking forward to developing that advocacy partnership with you. It's going to be a great thing. So tell us this. Um, is there 
anything in particular that you would want us as a church to pray for, if you'd give us that, whatever that is, and then I'm going to ask you to, to end our time together today by praying for our church. And I'll explain that. So is there anything in particular that you know that we as a church could be praying for you right now for? Yeah, when we uh, head to the field, we just have a lot of foundational things we'll be doing over the next 12 months or so. And so we are um, seeking for a few teammates to come and be a part of uh, leading what we're doing and partner with us in a, in a longer term in this training team rather than planning to go out and do a church planning team somewhere else. Um, and we're just looking for a lot of wisdom as we develop uh, what this whole thing will look like. Okay. So those are probably our biggest prayer requests at this point. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, before you hang up, I'm going to lead us in prayer for you guys. But I'd ask you to do this. Would you pray for us right now? Would you pray that, and this is my, my, my heart of what I hope you'll pray for, and pray for anything you want, but that God will give us as a church a heart for lost people whether they're across the street or around the world, that God will give us, that the things of the world will grow strangely dim, and the most important thing will be, will be loving Jesus and, and sharing his love with other people, that we'll have a heart for lost people. So could you pray for us this morning? And then I want to pray for you yeah. guys. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, let's pray. Gracious God, we just thank you for Portview Church. God, we thank you for the people that assemble there and worship you. God, even for the freedoms that we have to, to worship and, and for the amazing ability to connect over Skype and be uh, a part of this church from a distance this morning. And God, I do ask, as, as Pastor Marcus said, that there would be uh, an intense love that develops in this place and continues to grow and grow even stronger and stronger for the lost, whether these are the lost down the street in Portview, uh, in Port Washington, or whether they're the lost around the globe. God, that you would put your hunger and your passion and your burden for the lost in the hearts of the people of Portview Church. God, that as, as you uh, love the world so much that you sent your son, you love the world, you love the lost, you love people who were, who were enemies and who were rebellious against you and who were full of sin and, and weren't pursuing you. You love people like that. You love lost people like we were. God, uh, that you would put that love into the heart of this church. And God, that this church would continue to, to grow into catching a, an even greater vision for, for what your role for them is in the world in terms of reaching lost people. And I pray for your blessing to flow in this church as they catch, uh, catch hold of what you want to be doing through them. God, as they begin to do the things that you're calling them to do, God, that you would just pour greater and greater blessing into this church, that it would be a place that uh, continues to grow uh, numerically and spiritually, to grow in faithfulness and in holiness. God, it would be a place that, uh, that just flourishes for your glory in Port Washington and around the world. God, I pray your blessing upon this church, your protection upon this church, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, let's church, let's, let's, let's pray for the jumps this morning. Lord, we lift up Daryl and Sarah to you. And, Lord, we would pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, your grace would be so rich upon them today. They would 
feel your presence. And that, Lord God, you, they asked for wisdom. I was thinking of Solomon. Said, give me, God said he could have anything, but he said, give me wisdom. And, Lord, they've, prayed a, they've made a great request. Give us wisdom so that we can do what God wants in God's way. Lord, help them to hear your voice, be led by your spirit, so they do things your way. Not just good ideas, but God ideas for how they can be key partners, key players in penetrating, bringing the yeast into the lump of dough in that part of the world so the gospel takes root and it begins to spread throughout all the Silk Road area. God, so give them wisdom. Also, God, they need key partnerships key people to partner with them right now in the next 12 months as they begin to develop this, this new uh, dimension of ministry in that part of the world. And so, Lord God, speak to people around the globe, the people with the right giftings, with, the, with that sense of calling, and most of all, God, people who are willing to live dead and go to that part of the world for the glory of the gospel and for the love of Jesus. So, Lord, bless Daryl and Sarah this morning. May whatever they have to do today be just wonderfully blessed that they're speaking in the church. Give them grace in that church and give them an ability to minister to people so that you would change hearts, Lord, uh, for your glory. And Lord, we pray this, just your blessing of provision and protection upon our friends. Thank you for them. Bless them, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. We're so glad that we can partner together. We want to change the world together. And we're glad that we're all on the same team. So bless you. Have a wonderful day in Jesus. And church, let's just give them a hand as they go. All right. They could say a little better than me, right? Find out right from the horse's mouth what God is doing. I wanted them to come in today to really just speak to our hearts, to say, to show us, you know, this is, this is really right now stuff. This isn't next year. This isn't next decade. This is right now stuff. And I believe God is challenging us as a church to get more involved in changing the world through our missions program than we have to this point. And so what we're going to be doing in just a few minutes is we're going to be taking our faith promise pledges um, today. And I've been asking you for three weeks to be praying over um, your faith promise. For three weeks I've been asking you, what is God speaking to you? What do you feel God wants you to do um, so, that, so that we're doing, we're obedient? We're not being emotional, we're being obedient. And so um, these were in your bulletin this morning, right? So why don't you pull those out right now. And Suzanne, if you'd come to the keyboard, please. Why don't you pull those out right now, and I want to just pray and ask the Lord to speak to your heart. And, um, and I want you just to be obedient. Now what we're going to do, I'm gonna give you just, we're going to bring those forward and put them upside down in the basket and the table in the front. Um, but I want, God, I, want God to be, I want God to blow our minds. I want, you know what I want for you? I want God to speak something impossible to you. I want him to say, I want you to hear and know, and he, he speaks something that you say, and, and I'm not, again, trying to coerce you, but something so that when you obey, and then God fulfills, that you're just shocked at what we can do together. And so, Father, I thank you that we as a congregation have the joy of partnering with people like Daryl and Sarah. 
Lord, thank you. I thank you that we have missionaries all over the world. Just 20 of our missionaries are represented by our flags that have been put out for this missions month. Just, just 20 of the many we support. 20 different countries that we send resources to and pray for all the time, every day, every month that we're invested in them. But God, I really do believe that you're calling us to be an advocacy partner with Daryl and Sarah at this most strategic time in the world. That your spirit is speaking, you're raising up an army, and that we get the privilege of being part of that army. That we can do one way, we can live dead by giving. And so Lord, now speak to our hearts and show us, God, what you want us to do with your resources. For your resources, what you want us to do with those for your glory. So, Lord, we commit this into your hands. If you're challenging any of us to give beyond what we think we can do, Lord, then I ask you to provide the faith promise. It's just saying, by faith, I believe God wants me to do that. And then, Lord, you would then provide for all of us so that we could do something impossible and change the world. So bless, Lord. Speak to our hearts now. In Jesus' name, amen.